Meantime, the question of transgender athletes is back on the agenda. A group of 40 world-class athletes have put their names to a letter that's going to the Prime Minister and Minister for Sport today. Uh, amongst the names on it, Olympic gold winners uh, Daniel Loder and Barbara Kendall looking for wider consultation on a draft policy from Sport NZ proposing ways to allow trans women athletes to compete with biological females. Former Olympic swimmer and sports medicine specialist Professor Dave Gerard watching this and uh, says it's not just about inclusion. He's with us this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Um, Morena, Tim, thank you for having me. What do you think uh, ought to be the approach to this issue? It's not going away, is it? No, clearly it's it's not something that will disappear overnight nor before the Olympic Games, Tim. But I think it's time that we, we coalesce the discussion and the debate to look really at the irrefutable medical, scientific and clinical evidence out there that really supports the fact that any transgender female who has trans after male puberty uh, is at a decided advantage and carries through her life the advantages that testosterone has endowed her body with um, as a male because these people remain biological males despite the fact that they have um, transitioned from male to female gender. Because of all the bulking up that goes on in those years. Well, that doesn't, exactly. that doesn't it's, reverse. No, no, no. You don't suddenly lose your height, your musculoskeletal development, the capacity of your heart and lungs, and all the other advantages that, that boys have over girls and, and the reason why we have male and female designated sporting events because men um, are faster and stronger and bigger than their female counterparts. And it's not just a question of competitive advantage, is it? It's also a question of safety in some sports. Oh, un undoubtedly, if you're talking about combative sports, just imagine um, a transgender female boxer or wrestler or um, member of a, a rugby rugby league team. Um, the, the advantages are, are obviously uh, remarkable and the issue of, of danger is the basis upon which World Rugby proposed its transgender regulations, which um, do not allow transgender females to participate at, at high level in, in rugby. What would you do if you could draw a line and say this is how we'll do it? Well, I'd, I'd first of all sit down with the, with the groups, and, and, and there's a lot of emotion that, that's drawn into this naturally. You know, the rainbow community uh, feel a little bit threatened, and this is the furthest thought from the mind of people who are looking at this. It's not a transphobia statement. It's, it's really a question of fairness for the reasons that we talked about and the safety that we've just mentioned. So I think sitting down and really looking at the number of athletes, athletes throughout the world that this is likely to involve, and it's probably not going to be more than a, a handful or a dozen at the, at the level of Olympic or elite uh, sport um, and then we, we've got to really administer a process that ensures their involvement and inclusivity in sport but not where this might be at a risk to the safety of others so it might be that uh, somebody who has transitioned early in life and hasn't had the benefit and the effect of 
of high levels of testosterone may in fact be permis- permitted to, to play in a sport like rugby. And this is what World Rugby have considered as a possible option. To have a separate class for transgender athletes at the Olympic Games, I think, is, is foolish. And there are not enough athletes for, for that to be warranted. So I think it's it's sitting down, being sensible, and taking the emotion out of it and looking at the aspects of fairness and safety. Dave, thanks so much for being with us this morning, Professor Dave Gerard.